welcome back to another episode of That's a Wrap. I'm Shannon and today's episode is going to be focused on the 2000 film The Perfect Storm, which I find it completely ironic that I planned this episode for this week because here in Indiana, um, at least in my area, we got hit with what I consider the perfect storm. So today is Wednesday and Monday night we got hit back to back with at least seven storms. It honestly looks like a tornado came through which is not uncommon in this area. Um, but we didn't. There, there was no tornado that touched down, but the amount of damage that all of these storms caused was absolutely ridiculous. Um, at one point, there were 30,000 of us that did not have power. I myself was without power for about 12 hours. And as of today, Wednesday, um, there are some people that still have a power outage, but all of the power outages that were caused by the storms were finally completed and everybody got their um, power back on no later than 10 a.m. today. So there were quite a few people that did not have power for almost 48 hours. It was so crazy. So let's go ahead and talk about The Perfect Storm. So The Perfect Storm is based on a true story of the Andrea Gale, which was lost at sea in October of 1991. The film stars George Clooney, who needs no introduction, Mark Wahlberg, who needs no introduction, Diane Lane, who probably does not need an introduction, John C. Riley, which I... I feel like he doesn't need an introduction. However, a lot of people may not recognize the name itself. So to relate to my age group, he was in Step Brothers with Will Ferrell. William Fitchner from Prison Break. John Hawks, who was nominated for an Academy Award for his roles in The Sessions and Winter's Bone. Alan Payne, who is not very well known, however, he does play one of the crewmen. And lastly, Mary Elizabeth Mastrotoni. So the Andrea Gale was a swordfish fishing boat out of Gloucester, Massachusetts. And upon the return home... The owner of the boat is shown taunting Billy, who is played by George Clooney, and he is taunting him for the lack of catch and the low payout. And as a result, Billy shows up at the bar where his crew is at and recruits his team to go back out to make up for the lack of catch that they received on this trip. And I'm not going to go into, like, the minor details of the movie. Um, I do believe everything in the movie does have a meaning. Um, however, this movie is focused on the six crewmen lost at sea. And that is kind of what I want to focus it on. Um, however, 
There is at one point, one of the crewmen refused to go back out. So Billy has to recruit a, another member whose name is Bugsby, I believe. I believe it's Bugsby. I get Bugsby and Sully mixed up. Um, I'm almost positive it's Bugsby that gets recruited last minute. Um, oh, nope, it's Sully. It's Sully. My apologies. I just had to look it up real quick. It is Sully. Oh, wait. Yep, it's, it's Sully. Um, so I did have to go ahead and look that up really quick because, like I said, I get Bugsby and Sully mixed up for some reason. I have no idea why, but I do. Anyways, um, so he ends up, Billy ends up having to recruit Sully last minute. Um, and, you know... Bobby does get into a fist fight at the bar and he also gets into a fight with his girlfriend who is played by Diane Lane because she doesn't want him to go back out, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm not going to get into like those small points because like I said, this movie is focused on the crew of the Andrea Gale. So this trip ends up being different. So they do originally go out to their normal fishing grounds near Grand Banks of Newfoundland. However, they don't really hit that much. So Billy decides he's going to continue going east towards the Flemish Cap. And at the same time that they are making that trip, a tropical form is forming around Bermuda headed for Florida. And once the crew does get to the Flemish Cap, they are able to get thousands of pounds of fish. But their freezer is broken. And as a result, they have to decide if they want to head back to Gloucester to prevent their catch from going bad or if they're going to continue, especially since they are aware, well, Billy is aware that there is a storm brewing. He doesn't know how severe it is, but he knows that there is a storm. Um, also, he does receive notification from Captain Linda from Hannah Bowden. And it is the sister boat of the Andrea Gale. And she does also point out that there is a storm and he's too far out. And he's going to have to go through the storm to get back. He disregards it. So at this point, the storm that formed in Bermuda near Florida has wrecked havoc along the east coast. And they are showing the damages. And we also now see that a meteorologist is noticing that two storm fronts are colliding between Gloucester and where the Andrea Gale is located in the Flemish Cap. And that is what creates the name The Perfect Storm. And the crew does go through a couple of storms while they are out at sea. However, it is just normal stuff that, they, that you go through when you're at sea. And it's nothing, like, horrible. However, 
Bobby does get bit by a shark. And Murph ends up getting thrown overboard because he gets into a fight with Sully. Ends up, his hand ends up getting hooked by a hook that they use for bait. And ends up getting underwater. However, Bobby and Sully, ironically, are able to get him out of the water. And I'm going to get back to that when I talk about this movie after after I discuss the summary of it because there is something in that scene that really bothers me with George Clooney. And so once the crew sees and knows that the storm's brewing, they all do agree to make it home. Um, they don't they don't want to lose out on their money. They don't want to lose out on fish. And during the storm, as I stated, Captain Linda has already reached out to them, but now she's reaching back out to them um, because now this storm, she realizes once Billy says the coordinates, she realizes that he is indeed headed for right where the storms are going to collide. So as a result of getting stuck in the storm, their antenna breaks off and Billy makes a comment that they're back in the 18th century or 19th century because they now have no communication with anyone. And it does ironically occur at the same time that Captain Linda is trying to advise them that that, that they are headed right there, right to the jackpot. Um, Billy, with the help of Bobby, are trying to make the ship through the storm. And after not receiving a response from the Andrea Gale, Linda calls Mayday for the crew. Now... I believe in the movie it's the Coast Guard. However, in real life, it was the National Guard. So I'm not really sure if I'm mixing up my de departments. I can't think of the word on what to call them. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm mixing up the line of military or if I am indeed right and it is the Coast Guard in the movie, but it's the National Guard in real life. Um... However, we do see that they are out in the ocean helping a boat that is stuck in the storm as well. And this too is based off a real story. There were three people on a smaller boat that were stranded at sea. And as they are helping these individuals to safety, they receive notice of the Andrea Gale. And one of the guys makes a comment stating that they're always from Gloucester. And they do end up deciding to go ahead and help the Andrea Gale drop off these crew, drop off these three crew members from this boat and then go out and help out try and get the Andrea Gale. However, they realize that they are low on fuel and they try to refuel. However, it is unsuccessful and it ends up resulting in the Coast Guard or the Air Force members having to jump into the water and the helicopter ultimately ends up crashing because it runs out of fuel. And unfortunately, this does result in a National Guard member to be lost at sea 
while the others are rescued. And I do want to go ahead and briefly just talk about Gloucester before I start getting into the main part of the movie. So Gloucester is a town in Massachusetts and it is known as a fisherman town. Um, if you've ever seen Coda, which came out in 2021, I was actually able to go to the screening and it was absolutely amazing. I definitely recommend watching it. Um, but I mean, you'll, you'll see that it, it is a fisher, fish, fisherman's town. And if they're not a fisherman, they own the boats that go out or they're selling the fish in the market. Um, with that being said, Gloucester is north of Boston. I have been there once and it's really nothing special. Um, I just went out there because I wanted to. Um, and if you're from Massachusetts, you probably know about like the beef that the North Shore has with the South Shore. And it's kind of like two different worlds. Um, you know, the North Shore, despite... I hate saying that they're like more put together and they're like a higher class because when you think about it, they're really not. Because the North Shore does include Lowell, which is not an awesome place. Um, I don't mind Lowell. I used to go to Lowell quite a few times. I had a full ride scholarship that I turned down to go to Lowell. It's not, it's not a horrible place, but it's just not one of the best. Um, Salem is located on the North Shore. Um, I mean, there's just, there's some places in the North Shore that are not all that great. So I don't want to say like they're a higher class, but like that's kind of how people think of it. And it's, it's weird because then when you think of like the South Shore, we're kind of like the blue collar, but it does, but like it, we're not because you have Gloucester that is fisherman. So it's just like one of those weird things, but North Shore and South Shore don't get along all that well. And if you've ever watched The Departed, Mark Wahlberg's character sums it up perfectly when they are interviewing Leonardo DiCaprio's character in The Office um, because he talks about how growing up, Leonardo DiCaprio's character was two different people. He was one person when he was on the North Shore and then he was another person when he was in Southie. And that kind of sums it up perfectly. That is the difference. Um... However, like, I love Salem. You're not going to keep me out of the North Shore when I was there. Um, you know, but that's that's kind of just the gist of Gloucester. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and, and get back to the main part of the movie. So, while the Andrea Gale is stuck in the storm... They all experience high foot waves crashing down on the deck consistently, which makes it hard for Billy to maintain the stabilization of the ship. There is also a part of the ship that is loose where the anchor attaches, making the anchor fly through the air repeatedly 
and at one point it breaks the window in the cabin in the captain's cabin area and as a result water is getting into the captain's area so at this point two members are also thrown overboard however they are rescued but they are thrown overboard because the whole crew is trying to board up the ship to prevent any more water from coming into the ship. And with the waves extremely high as well, every time that the waves are hitting the boat, it is going into the captain's area, it is going down to the bunk area, and it's just, it's not a good situation. So they're trying to board everything up. And however, when the crew members are thrown overboard, they lose their last pieces of wood to board up the windows so they are not able to board up the ship anymore and we are also seeing that the storm has officially reached Gloucester and due to the mayday that Hannah Bowden's captain Linda sent out the owner of the ship shows up at the bar that is owned by Bobby's mom and tells them that they have lost contact with the Andrea Gale. And the news also ends up talking about it. And you just see family and friends of the crew members watching and waiting in horror at the bar. And they know what the outcome is probably going to be, but as of right now, they don't know. And this next part of the film really does get me in my feels. I mean, if you're not like me, I envy you for this because it just, it makes me think. And I mean, I just can't imagine the real life scenario going down on this ship when it was happening. Um, so we see Billy and Bobby try to go against the waves. And after the first attempt, they are successful. And they believe that they are in the clear. And even the other crew members who are currently sitting in like the kitchen bunk area at the bottom of the ship... They see a light shine through the small window and they look out and they think that they are in the clear as well. You see the light shine through to Bobby and Billy as well. However, just as quick that, as that light shined through, the next wave forms. And Billy, with the help of Bobby again, attempts to beat out the second wave and comments that she is not going to let them win. He does still continue to try to beat the second wave out, but it does fail. And the Andrea Gale is turned upside down. And we watch as the crew slowly drowns. So at this point, they show that Bugsby and Murph are together. They show also Murph making a comment on how it's going to be rough on his son. We see Alfred Pierre who goes off on his own to try to open a door and is unsuccessful and 
that is actually the first area that it looks like it gets flooded. And then we see Sully go off on his own as well. And he is by himself just waiting for the time to come. And we have Billy and Bobby together. And Bobby asks, you know, how do you get out of this? And Billy says there's no school for it. So Billy, as the captain of the ship, elects to go down with the ship while he tries and helps getting Bobby out of danger. However, once Bobby reaches the surface, he sees the ship go down stern first, I believe, and then it is shown that he is swept out to sea. And during this scene, you can hear Bobby do a voiceover saying goodbye to his girlfriend, Christine. And then the movie ends with Captain, with the captain of Hannah Bowden, Linda, reading a eulogy in memory of the six crewmen that never made it home. And then George Clooney does a voiceover um, talking about what it takes to be a swordfish fisherman as Linda is going back out to sea. So let's go ahead and talk about the sad but true story behind this film. Obviously, we have no idea what happened while they were at sea. Nobody survived this and there's no record of anything happening, especially since they did lose communication. However, all these characters are real people and there were seven lives lost in at sea during the storm. And I'm going to go ahead and briefly say who they are. So the six crew members that were lost at sea on the Andrea Gale was the captain, Frank William Billy Tyne Jr. from Gloucester, Massachusetts. He was 37 years old and he left behind two daughters. Michael Bugsby Moran, he was 36 from Bradenton Beach, Florida. Dale R. Murph, Murphy was 30 years old, also from Bradenton Beach, Florida, and he did leave behind a young son. Alfred Pierre was aged 32 from New York City. And then we have Robert F. Bobby Shatford, age 30, from Gloucester, Massachusetts. And he did leave behind a girlfriend and his mom. And then David Sully Sullivan was 29 years old from New York City. And then the Air Force... The Air National Guard member that was lost at sea was Technical Sergeant Arden R. Smith. He was a pararescue jumper from the 106th Rescue Ring in the U.S. Air Force, and he did leave behind two daughters as well. 
who have actually gone on to try and carry on his legacy and are also part of the 106th Rescuer Wing. So, this movie did cause some controversy because it was based off of a book that was written by Sebastian Junger. And that book itself caused a lot of controversy. Um, However, the movie did as well. So, Linda Greenlaw states that she never made a mayday call on behalf of the Andrea Gale and that the Coast Guard will only initiate a search if the ship itself calls Mayday or if it's been past five days since they were set to arrive back at port. She also stated that the incident more than likely happened very quickly. So naturally that is saying that they would not have been able to make the decisions that were shown in the film. It is unknown how quickly it would have been, but she does believe it would have happened more quickly. But obviously, it is a movie, so they do have to dramatize things a little bit. Um, But she does believe that it happened very quickly and that they were not going to be able to make the decisions that were made. And majority of the stuff probably was not able to happen. Um, Also, there is a lot of controversy regarding the storm itself so there have been rumors that during the perfect storm like in the book in the book it said that they were up to 100 foot waves however they estimate that in reality it did not reach that much. Um, They estimate that it was about like 60 or 70 feet, not 100. However, then they go on and say that it does seem that there may have been a hit of a 100-foot wave. So I don't really understand that whole thing because when I was researching this even a couple of years ago, I was very confused by the wave situation because I don't understand how you're saying that only 60 to 70 foot waves were recorded but then you're saying that it was recorded that there was a 100 foot wave so I don't I don't know um also um it was last reported the last transmission was around 6 p.m on October 28th And that was when Billy Tyne gave Linda the coordinates, which I'm going to get into very quickly in a little bit. And he gave a weather update reporting 30-foot seas and wind gusts up to 92 miles per hour. Tyne's final recorded words were, she's coming on, boys, and she's coming on strong. So it is very, the the waves, I wish I could say what they really were, but I mean, there's reports of 100 foot, foot waves and there's reports of 39 and not 60, but then there's some saying that there were 60 foot waves. So it's really unknown 
on what was happening. Um, that being said, um, the Air National Guard, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the Canadian Coast Guard searched over 186,000 square miles for the Andrea Gale. On November 6th, the Andrea Gale's emergency position indicating radio beacon was discovered washed, washed up on the shore of Sable Island in Nova Scotia. And fuel drums, a fuel tank, the radio thing that I just said, an empty life raft, empty life raft, and some other things from the wreckage were found. However, the ship was never found and was assumed to be lost somewhere along the continental shelf near Sable Island. Um, also, like I said, I'm going to talk about the coordinates very quickly. Um, a very fun but creepy fact, if you are into this kind of stuff, um, you're probably going to be interested just like I was. Um, the Andrea Gale's last known location was 44 degrees north, 56.5 degrees west, and the... And the Titanic's last known location was 44 degrees north, 49 degrees west. So the Andrea Gale did possibly sink nearby where Titanic was found, which... Maybe really cool or maybe really creepy, depending the kind of person that you are. Um, with that being said, this movie was filmed in Gloucester and George Clooney <laughs> refused to have a Boston accent, which, you know, I don't blame him. Mark Wahlberg has an accent enough for two people, so I don't blame him. Um, but he did refuse to have an accent. Which is why his character, even though he is from Gloucester, does not have an accent. And I believe that is... Nope, there is one more thing. So the last thing I want to point out that bothers me about this movie is when Murph goes overboard... And they get him back on the ship. Billy Tyne is shown doing CPR completely incorrectly. And I just want to know, did the directors tell him to do CPR like that? Or did all of his years of training on ER go out the window and not matter anymore? Because he knows how to do CPR. He did it for years on ER. And I just found it really impossible and it really aggravates me when people do CPR the wrong way. I used to be in nursing. I used to be in law enforcement. I know how to do CPR and it just bothers me when people do it wrong. 
and he did it wrong. And it just aggravates me every time I see it because, one, I am very particular with that kind of stuff. But two, you were a doctor on ER for years. Like, you were doing CPR on a regular basis. And you can't even do it right in a film. I just don't. That is just something that really aggravates me. And it's the only thing that bothers me in this movie. Um... I mean, Diane Lane's accent bothers me too. Actually, everybody's accent bothers me. But if you watched my last podcast talking about fear, you already know how I feel about the Boston accent, despite the fact that I am from the South Shore. Um, So the accents bother me. But the only thing that really bothers me is that CPR scene. And I just, I can't get over it. But with all of that being said, Um, That is it for this episode of That's a Wrap. I hope you really enjoyed this and you can see a documentary on the Andrea Gale. So the Andrea Gale itself does not have a documentary. However, it was featured on... It was featured on the show, um, I can't think of the name of it, and I had it written down, um, but I can't think of it, um, give me a second, um, Sea Hunters, the search for the Andrea Gale is season one, episode 13 of Sea Hunters, I have not yet seen that episode, but I'm actually gonna go ahead and watch it probably after this podcast um because I just have never had a chance to watch it and I am just I'm obsessed with this kind of stuff and you know true crime and things I'm just obsessed with this kind of stuff so I'm probably gonna go ahead and watch it um but with that being said that is it for this episode of that's a wrap my name is Shannon and I definitely recommend going ahead and watching this movie if you haven't already and go ahead and be sure to give this podcast a follow. Go ahead and follow the podcast on YouTube and Instagram. And the handle is just at that's a wrap underscore podcast. And be sure to comment, rate, review, do your thing. And I will go ahead and talk to you guys in a little bit. Bye.